the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. If you were listening last Friday, you actually heard a rebroadcast of an earlier show of mine talking about the planning priorities quiz that I use in my practice and I ask everybody to complete uh, if they're going to consult with me on estate planning. I ask everyone to complete that before we actually have our planning consultation. Uh, I do offer consultations on estate planning, which is uh, will and trust and power of attorney planning. I offer consultations on probate and trust administration. Uh, Probate administration is when someone dies and they either have no estate plan at all, uh, meaning no will or trust or anything like that, or they die and all they have is a will. Uh, They don't have property owned by their trust. Um, And uh, I do probate administration in uh, San Mateo County, Alameda County, and uh, and Santa Clara County. Those are the three counties I currently do probate administration in, and if that is something that is needed. Uh, An emphasis mostly on Santa Clara County and San Mateo County. Uh, Then the other thing I generally consult on are various types of petitions in the court dealing with trusts. Uh, The most common one being the Hegstat petition, which is a petition to go to court and have the court confirm that property that belonged to someone who has died is and was intended to be part of their trust, but was for some reason not in their trust at death, either through accident, inadvertence, or it was taken out for the refinance of a home, for example, and not put back in, or it was acquired later on after the trust was created and never transferred into trust ownership. That's a Hegstat petition. And the specific requirements for a successful Hegstat petition depend on what county you're in when you're filing. I handle those kind of petitions in San Mateo, Alameda, Santa Clara, and Contra Costa counties. And uh, I will tell you, each county has a little bit different approach to what kind of written evidence they need in order to support granting such a petition. The other major type of petition I do is, that I do is a trust modification petition 
uh, under a section of the probate court code that permits those kinds of petitions to be heard by a court. Um, that is often done when uh, someone has passed away and the surviving spouse uh, realizes, maybe for the first time, that the trust that he or she had with the spouse that just died actually mandates the division of their property into two or more trusts. And uh, because of the size of the estate, it may make no sense at all for the family, for the surviving spouse to have to do that. But it's possible to go to court to modify the trust so that that doesn't have to be done. Uh, other modifications might include uh, putting terms into a trust <clears throat> to provide for a child who is a special needs child, uh, maybe wasn't a special needs child when the trust was created, but is one now, or uh, the trust was created at a time when uh, attorneys were not putting provisions in the trust to deal with a special needs person. So um, there are a lot of reasons why we might go to court to modify an otherwise irrevocable trust, and I handle those types of petitions as well. A third type of petition might be to petition the court to approve the distribution plan from a trust. If someone is a trustee and they want to now distribute the trust assets and they're having issues with the beneficiaries of the trust, not getting on board, not agreeing, not agreeing to review things, nothing like that, the trustee could always petition the court and request that the court approve the distribution plan. And then any of the beneficiaries that have complaints or issues with that, they have to show up in court and, and complain about it. If they don't show up, then the trustee would be able to have a court order approving the distribution plan, and they'd be able to go ahead, distribute the assets of the trust, and close out the trust administration. So... Um, uh, the other type of administration I do is trust administration, and that is basically handling uh, all of the legalities that are needed after someone has died where their property was held in a trust. It tends to be a lot faster and in many ways a lot less complicated than a probate administration, but many of the same things are done, whether it's a probate administration or a trust administration. And, uh, and I handle those as well. Uh, what I don't do is specific asset protection planning. Uh, here in California, there are um, certain things that can be done, um, but, I, but I do not do those in my practice. I also don't do Medi-Cal planning. Uh, I don't uh, practice for Medi-Cal. I have a colleague in San Jose that does almost exclusively that, and he is my go-to person when somebody needs to do that kind of planning. He is the colleague that worked with me earlier this year when we were helping as, as many people as possible deal with the uh, anticipated effects of Proposition 19. And uh, he was doing special types of irrevocable trusts that were variations of the trusts that he did for Medi-Cal planning in order to achieve Proposition 19 planning. And, uh, and he, we did as many of those as we could at the beginning of the year, but 
there was just not enough time to help everybody. And I still look back and I regret that we could not help everybody that needed help. It's kind of like being on the Titanic and there's not enough boats for the passengers. So some people were saved and most people drowned or else they're drowning now or their families will drown in the future because of the effects of Proposition 19. So I just want to let you all know that um, that's a little summary of the kinds of things that I do in my practice. Um, I'm regularly consulting with people. I don't charge for my consultations. It's easy to book a consultation. You go to my website at lawbob.com and right near the top under my introduction, you will see a button that says book a call. Click on that button. It will take you into my scheduling calendar where you can indicate the purpose of the consultation, whether it's estate planning or a Hegstat or a trust modification petition or a probate or trust administration. You can indicate that there and then it will take you into my calendar. You can find a date and time to select. You can choose to have an in-person meeting meeting. You could choose to have me call you or you call me or a Zoom meeting. You decide what it's going to be and that's how the meeting will go forward. It's a 15-minute consultation that might extend to 30 minutes, time permitting, or if I think it's necessary. And uh, in 15 minutes, though, we should be able to determine whether or not I can assist you and whether or not you would like me to be the one to assist you with whatever your situation is. So we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I will continue with my usual format, questions and comments from around the state of California. So stay tuned for more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman. See you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to do one question and comment from around the state of California, and then I'm going to pivot to something else for the balance of our show today. This is a question out of Oceanside, California. The uh, person indicates my SO and I, I'm assuming SO is significant other, um, sometimes called life partner uh, or just partner, partner in crime, whatever you want to uh, use as your uh, euphemism. Uh, My significant other and I bought a house together 10 years ago. We both have an adult child each from previous relationships. What do we need or what type of lawyer to ensure both adult children get equally treated in case of either of our deaths? I'm assuming what's really being asked there is, how do we make sure that this property we bought together as an unmarried couple is going to be divided equally between our respective children when we are both gone. And uh, this is, uh, first of all, the 
proper attorney to go to would be an estate planning attorney, such as myself. And there's a lot of issues to address in here. Um, probably the first and foremost is, should um, how should the title to the property be held to make sure that each respective partner's share goes to his or her uh, own child? The likely result, what I would likely but not necessarily recommend to a couple like this is because they're not married, they should each establish their own trust and each take title to one half of the property in their own trust. Then in the trust, they could provide that the other partner maybe um, gets the use and benefit of the trust property for life. And then on the death of the other partner, the half of the first partner that died will pass to that partner's child. And then on the death of the surviving partner, their half being held by their trust would pass to their respective child. Uh, now, because the the people involved are partners, what it will mean is that when one of them dies, whether their share passes in trust for the benefit of the other partner or whether it passes directly to uh, the child of the partner that died under the law as it's currently constituted under Proposition 19, um, in the first case, it would be the property tax would be reassessed. That has nothing to do with Proposition 19. <clears throat> it has everything to do with the fact that the parties are not married. In the second case, it would be reassessed um, unless the child uh, moved into the house and was occupying the house as a personal residence in which case there might be an exclusion from reassessment for the 50% ownership interest of the parent that died. Uh, but the most likely thing is that's not the case, and there would be a reassessment of the property taxes, even if it's passed directly to the child of the first spouse that died. So this is one of those situations where <clears throat> I have had um, couples come to me with situation like this, and after meeting with me, they've made the decision, maybe we should get married so we can solve a lot of these issues going forward. And and I've had uh, unmarried couples um, make the decision that they should get married in order to uh, both improve the ultimate result of their planning and improve the tax result of their planning. I'm not going to go into what some of those things are here today. If you're in a situation like I just described and you want to consult with somebody, like I said at the top of the show, I'm available to consult. Um, I'll just let you know ahead of time that if you're coming in as part of any couple, one of the things I have everyone do is sign a joint representation waiver and consent uh, which outlines that there could be a conflict of interest between uh, two spouses or or two partners, significant others, 
uh, married or unmarried. And uh, because of that, if they want to meet with me and talk with me together and talk about planning together, then they have to agree that they understand that there's a potential for a conflict of interest, but they're okay with that and that uh, they will talk with me both at the same time and I'll do planning together for them. But that it's also clear that if the relationship goes south sometime in the future, that I cannot take sides, I cannot represent one over the other, uh, and that either party has the authority to revoke whatever planning that they did together. Um, That's kind of a brief summary of that issue right there. I will tell you, another thing that I request when I'm doing estate planning for people is authorization to release information. I ask everyone whether or not they have any, uh, any people that I'm authorized to speak with about their planning, but not required to speak with. That could be their adult children, um, other close relatives. It could be their financial advisor, their CPA, um, uh, any, anyone else that they want me to be authorized to speak with. Uh, or, in the alternative, if they do not authorize me to speak with anybody about the planning and uh, and our meetings and the things that we're doing. So that's another thing that figures prominently in my estate planning practice. I am finding right now that uh, it's taken me approximately one week to 10 days to draft uh, initial drafts of an estate plan so that they can then be viewed by my new clients. Um, my process is pretty straightforward. After a consultation, if there is um, an agreement that I will be doing work for the, for the client or clients, then what I do is I create a secure Dropbox folder, and in that folder I put all of the worksheets that are appropriate Uh, for an individual or a married couple uh, or for an unmarried couple, which might actually be two different sets of paperwork. And then um, I draft up an engagement letter, provide that in the Dropbox folder for review, and then subsequently I uh, turn around and, uh, and ask that that be signed through DocuSign so that we uh, can actually move forward from that point. When we come back after the break, I'll uh, tell you a little bit more about my procedure and then talk more about estate planning in general. This is attorney Bob Berkman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I was talking before the break about uh, my process, my estate planning process. And uh, basically, um, once I have set up a, a secure Dropbox folder where we can share information back and forth and where you can actually fill out the worksheets that I provide that are fillable PDF forms. Um, Once that has been completed, 
um, and you're ready to go forward with a design meeting, um, I will would then have you sign the engagement letter that I would send to you through DocuSign, and you can sign it that way. It's only at the plan design meeting that any money will change hands. I don't ask for any deposit up front when we start the planning process. Instead, I consider the planning process to actually start at the plan design meeting because that is where I start doing lawyer work or lawyering. Uh, I do the lawyer stuff at the plan design meeting. And that's when I uh, typically request that half of my fee be paid at that time. Uh, once we have finished the design meeting, assuming I get all the information that I need to do the design, I then draft the estate plan, all the legal documents involved, uh, everything gets drafted up, and then drafts are provided again in the secure Dropbox folder. And once it's in the Dropbox folder, you would have an opportunity to review it, um, to get back to me with any questions, any comments. Uh, if you find that I've misspelled somebody's name, it's been known to happen. Uh, you let me know so that I can make the corrections. And then once everything has been corrected and it's exactly the way you want it, then we schedule a signing appointment, which is in my office. And uh, you would come in and actually sign all of the legal documents. I notarize the ones that are to be notarized. And then if witnesses are needed, I provide um, a witness along with myself to act as a witness, for example, for a will. And then at that point in time, once everything is signed, then the balance of my fee is due, plus any additional costs associated with uh, drafting up transfer paperwork for real estate or uh, supervising um, the the acquisition of transfer paperwork from other states where real estate might be owned, coordinating all that. I do charge additional for coordinating those transfers, and I charge additional fees to do the transfer paperwork for California real estate uh, over and above one transfer, which is typically um, the client or client's personal residence. doesn't have to be, but that's typically what what it is. And then from that point on, um, there's a 60-day period after that to come back, and if an adjustment needs to be made to the plan, um, maybe it's determined that, uh, that um, someone needs to change something to the plan, I don't mean redoing the distribution plan. That's that's kind of the equivalent of what they call in the contracting field a change order, uh, where you're changing the whole original scope of the of the job or the services. Uh, I would charge um, additional fees for something like that. But if it's a matter of correcting an error, maybe there's a typographical error, things like that, um, come back within 60 days, and we can adjust that to make sure that everything is perfect in just the way you want it to be. And that is my planning process. Now, for probate and trust administration, that involves uh, a consultation and then engaging me to do one or the other uh, probate 
or trust administration in uh, rare cases, maybe both for the same person, depending on whether or not we can actually go to court and petition the court to get loose property turned over to somebody's trust. Sometimes that is not possible because we don't have the appropriate documentation to support the court uh, signing an order to that effect. Um, for example, I'm doing that right now. I did a, uh, a, a petition a few years back for someone that, uh, a Hegstat petition that was actually done so that we could get loose property, including real estate, into the person's trust. That petition was successful. Unfortunately, more recently, the um, the successor trustee of that trust, still handling administration, determined that there were other assets, bank accounts specifically, that uh, were in the name of the deceased person. They were not aware of that back when we did the petition. Uh, the petition was done here in Santa Clara County, and since the time it was originally done, the uh, the court here in Santa Clara County decided that they needed more than just somebody's will directing everything into their trust as written evidence of intent that it be in the trust. They needed something else like an assignment of that type of property signed by the person or a schedule of assets that listed the assets on it. We didn't have any of that here, so we're getting ready to commence a probate for the purpose of um, gathering these other assets in. So in this case, we actually were doing administration. Now we're doing an actual probate. Um, if we had known about the assets back when we did the Hegstat petition, we would have been able to get everything into the trust back then because the court was considering a pour-over will to be sufficient evidence of intent. They don't do that anymore. So the rules of the court changed, and because of that, we're now having to do a probate. My petition procedure is fairly straightforward. We have a consultation. If the decision is made to go forward, I put together an engagement letter. I, letter, I gather information. I draft up the petition, distribute it for people to look at, comment on, uh, correct addresses if they're wrong or spellings of names if, if they're wrong or they were given to me incorrectly, which does happen sometimes. Then when it's all ready to go, I distribute it for signature through DocuSign with the exception of Alameda County petitions where they require wet ink signatures on everything. They will not accept DocuSign. A uh, little uh, fun fact right there. And, uh, and then once it's all signed by everybody that needs to sign it, I then file it with the court, depending on where we're going. If it's San Mateo or Santa Clara County or Contra Costa County, it can often be done without a formal hearing being set, uh, what's called ex parte, uh, meaning we can submit the paperwork directly to the court. The court will consider it and then we'll sign an order granting the petition. Um, in San Mateo County, that can typically be done uh, very quickly. In Santa Clara County, um, it typically takes two to three weeks for them to process a petition like that. In Contra Costa County, um, it used to be the same day 
I don't know if they're permitting that right now, if they're permitting it to be done same day right now. I don't think they are um, because access to the courthouse is limited at this time. And I don't know that you can actually go directly and submit the paperwork to the staff attorney for the probate court and have it considered by the court right on the spot. You used to be able to do that. You could do that in San Mateo County. Um, but I think that there's some restrictions on that right now. In Alameda County, you can't do that at all. You actually have to get a court date uh, in order to have the matter heard by the probate court. Um, Alameda County right now, the last one I filed, uh, which was a Hegstat, I filed about a month ago, and they gave me a court date in April of next year. So they gave me a court date about nine months later. And um, so that means that they're not moving very quickly in Alameda County. If you have a situation, a Hegstat situation in Alameda County or a trust modification situation in Alameda County, the sooner you contact someone like me, the sooner we can get it started, the sooner it could be resolved in the courts. The longer you wait, the longer it will take, and it's not going to be a fast thing to do at any rate in Alameda County. Just want to warn you all about that ahead of time. Now, I have been doing uh, workshops um, lately, actually live estate planning workshops, and uh, they've been very well received, I will tell you that. Um, I did not schedule one for here in September uh, because I'm pretty busy from um, work that has come in from the first two workshops I did uh, back in July and August, uh, plus just organic uh, people contacting my office from various sources. Um, I seem to be getting more and more popular, um, you know, like the song from Wicked. Uh, if you're familiar with Wicked, one of my favorite musicals, by the way, love it, saw it on Broadway, saw it in Chicago as well, uh, with two fantastic Elphabas, um, Dina Menzel and Anna Gastar from Saturday Night Live, who made a great Elphaba. If you don't know who Elphaba is, look up Elphaba and Wicked and you'll find out that she is the so-called Wicked Witch. Yeah, the one that Dorothy takes care of at the end of The Wizard of Oz. But let me tell you this. Um, when we come back after the break for the final segment of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the planning priorities quiz and urge you all to consider actually taking that quiz. And I'm likely to update my website so you can take that quiz directly without booking a call and decide whether you want to book a call. So after the break, we'll finish up the show today. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back to the final segment of my show today. I'm going to spend the final segment of the show talking a little bit about this um, kind of neat tool that I use in my practice uh, in order to help estate planning consultations be very focused and uh, and actually get to the heart of the matter. 
Uh, it's called the Planning Priorities Quiz. Uh, I think my show last Friday, uh, which was a rebroadcast while I was uh, out of town with my family uh, visiting Disneyland, um, wonderful as ever, um, that um, I talked in detail about the Planning Priorities Quiz. And uh, I want to say that I've expanded it a little bit from what it was before. And uh, what I'm planning on doing, I found it, like I said, a very useful tool uh, to help me determine very quickly and efficiently what things are important to an individual or a couple when they're consulting with me for estate planning. I have found it saves a lot of uh, just talk and uh, instead uh, can uh, give me a summary that will let me know before we meet just uh, what things are important because I will tell you that uh, it's very easy to meet with an attorney for a consultation and spend half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours just talking all over the place, getting educated about things, but not ever reaching the point where you actually make a decision to go forward and get planning done or that you um, understand uh, why there's even a need to do planning in your specific case. I take the approach that it's more important for you to um, come to the realization that you need to do planning and, uh, and hopefully that you need to have me do the planning for you. That's more important than the specifics of the planning itself. The specifics of the planning itself are all worked out in the planning process with the homework worksheets that I provide, the plan design meeting, all of those things. Uh, I have found that consultations are not productive if we spend a lot of time talking about solutions when we're not really completely sure what all the potential problems or issues are. It's very easy to go wandering off into the weeds, to use an expression, and uh, or go down the rabbit hole, that's another one, talking about solutions to problems that may not actually be problems and not talk about things, uh, solutions to the actual problems that an individual or a couple may have with, with the estate planning that they need to have done. So the planning priorities quiz is how I start all consultations for estate planning. I have different paperwork. If you want to do a, a Hegstat or trust modification petition consultation, I have different paperwork for that. And I have different paperwork for an estate or trust administration consultation. But this is my primary paperwork for a consultation. I used to ask for all kinds of information ahead of time, uh, much of which was information that was only really ultimately important if I was hired to do the estate planning. Now I ask for that information after I've been hired to do the planning, not beforehand. Now, what I'm planning on doing uh, along these lines, what I'm planning on doing is besides having a button on the home page of my website at lawbob.com 
to book a call, I am going to add another button or else another link to take the planning priorities quiz. Now, I will let you know ahead of time, if you take that quiz, your information will be brought into my uh, contact relationship manager, which is Lawmatics. And uh, if I get one of those quizzes coming through, but you have not booked a consultation with me, then I can guarantee I will follow up with an email to you asking you if you would like to book a call with me to discuss estate planning. Um, I will be doing that. I'll, initially, I'll likely be doing that manually. Eventually, it might be something that is automatically uh, coming to you if you have filled out the planning priorities quiz. But I think it would be a useful exercise for anybody to uh, go through that quiz and then ask yourself at the end, wow, uh, I had no idea that uh, these are things that could be very important. Maybe I should book a call to, to talk with Bob about planning for me. And then you'll have already completed the quiz when you book your call, which means that's not another step to do. It's kind of similar in concept to my workshops where I actually go through the quiz with the attendees at the workshops. And at the end of the workshop, they have completed the initial consultation paperwork to actually book a time to meet with me and go over how I might be able to assist them in the area of estate planning. So that's it for the show today. Hopefully you'll have a great weekend and you'll be back next Friday for more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. You have a great weekend. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.